I mean, we are sensing a revival here at Bethel like perhaps we've never seen before. Uh, we began to speak about the things that we might do in order to further facilitate and make ourselves ready for what God wants us to do. But uh, before I continue today, have you ever noticed that often it seems like that no sooner is somebody saved and reconciled to God and that they start rebuilding that wall of sin all over again? Have y'all ever seen that before? It seems like that's a common problem uh, amongst people. Well, we learned last week that in order to stem the tide of sin's destruction in the world, we got to get serious with God's cleansing process in the church. Where does it all begin? You looked at them this morning in the mirror, amen? We got to get real with ourselves. To not do so is insane. And you've heard what the definition of insanity is. Albert Einstein said insanity is doing the same thing the same way over and over again expecting a different result. So if you want your relationship with God to grow, if you want your faith to grow, then I want to encourage you to get on board with God's cleansing process for your life. When we deal with sins in our own camp, then God can use us to curb the flood of sin outside the camp. But it all begins here. Now what does this cleansing process involve? Well, in a word, this cleansing process involves repentance. That's a good old-fashioned Bible word, and basically it means turn away from your sin. Turn away from sin and turn to Christ. That's what repentance means. And in the book of Revelation, that's on page 1088 in the Bibles in front of you, Jesus commanded five of seven churches. So he's talking to church folks just like me and you. He commanded five of those seven churches to repent. So if you will, look with me, beginning in Revelation chapter 2, and I'm going to jump around a little bit to give you little tidbits of what Jesus commanded the church to do in these latter days. In chapter 2, beginning in verse 2, he had commanded the church at Ephesus, saying, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil, and have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them to be liars. And you have persevered, and have patience, and have labored for my name's sake, and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. To the church at Pergamos, same chapter in verse 16, Jesus said, repent, or else I will come to you quickly to take away that lampstand. Then in chapter, or verse 18, same chapter, he wrote to the church at Thyatira, and he said, I know your works, love, service, 
faith and your patience. And as for your works, the last are more than the first. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. Because you allow that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and to eat sacrifice, things sacrificed to gods. And I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality, and she did not. Continuing in chapter 3, Jesus told John to write to the church at Sardis. And in verse 2 he said, Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found your works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. Same chapter in verse 14. Jesus writes to the church at Laodicea, and in verse 15 he said, I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Verse 19 says, As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous, be eager, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and anyone who hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Repent. So we've been talking a little bit about what repentance is. And last week we said that repentance is basically being exposed to and then responding to what God says about our, say our. See, we all have it, don't we? About our personal sins. Repentance is turning away from sin and turning to Jesus Christ. Why? Because he's the boss, amen? Say amen. amen. Last week we learned that you can't add a whole lot of Jesus unless you subtract a whole lot of sin. You can't do both. You've got to do both, rather. To add Christ, you've got to subtract sin. And so we began asking God to convict us, to speak to our inner being, to convict us of our own personal sins. See, I don't want Jesus to convict me of your sin. I don't want Jesus to convict you of my sin. I want him to convict you of your own personal sin. And then we asked him to give us the discernment and the wisdom for how to deal with those sins. And so what did we do? Well, as a church, we repented. We repented of sins of thought, asking God to help us cast down anything that exalts itself above the knowledge of God and to take captive every thought to the obedience of Christ. We repented of our attitudes, asking God to help us not be those lukewarm Christians, realizing that a prideful and complacent attitude toward God and his church 
literally nauseates him. We repented of sins of speech. And we ask God to help us to turn away from every idle and corrupt word. The words that blaspheme God. The words that cause us to lie. The words that cause us to gripe and complain about life. Those words that demonstrate an ungrateful attitude. We repented. But can I tell you that we're not done? That's right, we still have personal sins that stand in need of repentance. For you see, on June the 12th, 1987, at the Berlin Wall, President Ronald Reagan told the Premier of the Soviet Union, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. And because that happened, things forever changed in Germany. Things forever changed in the whole world. So today, you and I are going to ask ourselves more hard questions. More hard questions that might lead us to tear down these walls of sins that we have erected. That are preventing God's glory from being revealed in our own personal lives, in our relationships, and in Jesus' church right here at Bethel. So, for Bethel Baptist Church to experience this revival that I'm talking about, another way we need to repent is to repent of the sins in our relationships. You see, a very common place to be tempted to sin is in this area of relationships. Relationship sins generally fall into one of five different categories. And I have divided these categories into questions. The first question. Friend, can you think of a person or people who have hurt you or offended you in some way? Few of us make it through this life without having been offended. Few make it through life without having been hurt in some way. But I want you to listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, because he was clear about getting right with those who have offended us. He said, if you bring your gift to the altar, and there you remember your brother has something against you. Jesus said, leave your gift there at the altar. Go your way. First, say first. First, be reconciled with your brother. Then come and bring your gift to the altar. In other words, Jesus is saying here, don't you approach God unless you first get right with those that may have offended you. Get right with those maybe that you've offended. Now, I'm not suggesting for a second that this is easy. It takes a lot of eating crow. It takes a lot of humility. But you know what? Repentance requires humility. It's not easy. 
But Jesus did say it was very necessary. Listen to me. Tear down this wall. Number two. Are you bitter or holding grudges against people who have offended you? Not only the ones that you've offended, but the ones that have offended you. Well, listen to what Jesus said about that. Jesus made a very powerful statement saying, if you forgive men who sin against you, then your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Right? But if you refuse to forgive others, neither will your Father forgive you. Remember this, my friends. Forgiveness is a choice, not a feeling. Did you hear me, church? Say amen if you heard me. Forgiveness is a choice, not a feeling. If you will choose forgiveness, God will change your feelings. Listen to me. Tear down this wall. Number three, are you involved in any improper relationships? Now, this not only occurs amongst the unmarried. This also occurs during, in the midst of married couples. For instance, a husband may be too emotionally close to a woman or a co-worker. A wife may be too emotionally close to a male friend or co-worker. I want to encourage you this morning to ask God to reveal in any of your relationships if they are improper. If they are improper or if they're out of balance. Why? Because we need to tear down this wall. Number four. Do you find yourself neglecting regular fellowship and true service to your church. Because see we're all in a relationship. We're all in a relationship. According to Hebrews chapter 10. God seems to think. That it's pretty important. That you stay in a close relationship. With your church. He says do not forsake the assembling of yourselves. Together as is the manner of some. You see friend. Lone ranger Christians. Those who are out there trying to do it all by themselves are unbiblical. Lone Ranger Christians are not only unbiblical, but in reality, they're pretty doggone selfish because they're not sharing their gifts with anybody else but themselves. There are some people who seek a church, and they seek this church. Why? Because they're asking this question. What might this church do for me? Instead, we ought to be asking the question, what can I do for God's church? How might I use my spiritual gifts for the good of the body of Christ here at Bethel? Friend, do you find yourself constantly receiving but rarely giving? Are you a spectator 
a participator. Typically, we find that we're one or the other. If you're only a taker, if you're only a, a spectator, can I tell you today that God wants you to tear down this wall? Because we're to have a true and intimate relationship with our church family. Number five, are your family relationships in line with God's word? Are your family relationships in line with God's word? You see, if your family relationships are out of whack, your connection with God is likely to be out of whack too. I'm telling you that, that both scripturally and from my personal experience. The Bible gives us a plumb line. God provides us a plumb line for our family relationships. He says that husbands are commanded to love your wives. How? As Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. A godly wife is to have a beautiful spirit of humility and love and honor toward her husband. The Bible says that as the church is subject to Christ, how, how the church loves Jesus and would do anything for him, so the wife should. So let wives be to their own husbands in everything. Children must learn the extreme importance of honoring their parents. The Bible says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. It's just right. Honor your mother and father, which is the first commandment with promise. Friends, are your family relationships out of whack? If they are, tear down this wall. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you today for allowing us the blessing of having relationships with other people. But we pray, first of all, Lord, that you would forgive us for hurting or offending those we're close to. God, give us the courage to ask for forgiveness. Lord, we want those relationships to be healed because we know that unless those relationships are healed, revival cannot fall. Oh, Father, Lord Jesus, we repent of any relationships in our life that are improper, and we ask you to reveal them to us and stop them now. Jesus, we repent of the desire to be served in our church family and ask you to show us how we might feed the body of believers with our service. Father in heaven, we repent for not loving our wives like we should. Lord, we repent for not honoring our husbands like we should. Lord, we repent for not being the parents that you've called us to be. Lord, let us.
us experience your mighty power. Lord, let us experience your mighty presence as we repent of the sins of relationships and tear down walls that prevent revival. In Jesus' name we pray it. And all God's people said, Friend, let me give you something else today that Bethel Baptist needs in order to experience revival. You see, we also need to repent of the sins of commission. The word transgression is a good biblical word, amen? And we think we know what it is. But in essence, a transgression is an act of breaking God's law. In our words, it's doing something that God forbids. These sins are also known as sins of commission. We know God's law, and we choose to break it. For instance, our bodies. As believers in Jesus Christ, our bodies are the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit of God. And I believe, based on the authority of the scriptures, that we are called to be holy and spiritually fit for use in the kingdom of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul wrote to the church folks there and said, Do you not know that your body, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, who you have from God, and you are not your own? For you are bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Friend, do you sin against God's temple with harmful habits? Do you sin against God's temple by harmful addictions? Are you enslaved to anything that damages your body? Are you enslaved to anything that defiles this body that houses the Holy Spirit of God? If so, tear down this wall. Now another sin of commission is that while we may not bow to carved images, we frequently commit the sin of idolatry. You see, an idol, as you know, is anything that you put before God. But the Lord has said, you shall have no other gods before me. Friend, have you broken God's very first commandment? By placing something ahead of God? An activity? A person? A habit? Anything? If all the church members followed your example of service here in the church, where would the ministry of the church be? Would we be doubled in size or half in size? 
Sunday night service if everybody did it like you did? Would we even have a children's ministry at all if everybody did it like you did? Would there be any form of outreach if everyone attended to grow outreach ministry like you do? I mean, who's really number one? What is really number one in your life? Listen, friend, if it's anything but Jesus, tear down this wall. Now, there's another sin of commission that comes from the fact that God has commanded all of his children to give tithes and offerings. Oh, my goodness. Here he goes. Another sermon on the amount. Amen? But I don't want you to listen to Bill today. I want you to listen to God today. Because in Malachi chapter 3, God asks, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. You say, how have I robbed you, God? And he says, in tithes and offerings. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. And listen to what God says. Try me now in this, says the Lord. If I'll not open the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that you ain't got room enough to handle it. That's the promise of God when it comes to your tithes and offerings. But you know, because of blatant financial disobedience, many believers are not filled with the Spirit of God. They place that area of their life in place of God. Because of blatant financial disobedience, many Christians forfeit the blessings of God in their life. Give it up. They just burn it in the trash pile. Because you don't believe what the word of God says. You see, refusing to tithe, refusing to give offerings to God, it's placing money ahead of God. And that's idolatry. I didn't say it. Don't look at me that way. God said it. Think about this. Few people would ever dare not leave a 15% tip for the waitress. They'll even give a lot more than that. Few people have the gall and the guts to defraud the IRS. But how many of his own children defraud God weekly of what he commands? Do you know, you're not depriving God of nothing. You're not depriving this church of anything. You are depriving yourself. You are depriving yourself of God's blessing by refusing to give him what's already his. <laughs> refusing to give him 
what he already owns. Listen, tear down this wall. Finally today, according to Scripture, anything that we do that without the firm conviction that it's God's will, the Bible calls it sin. Romans 14, 23 says it. The Bible says, whatever is not from faith is, say it if you know it, it's sin. What does that mean? That means if you've got a nagging lack of peace about what you're involved in, if you've got a nagging lack of peace about something you're doing, the Bible says you are in sin. And if you're in sin, that means you're out of fellowship with God. And that's a horrible place to be. I'm telling you from personal experience. And if you're in sin, if you're in that place, if you're involved in that thing that gives you that nagging lack of peace, listen, you can't rationalize it. You can't justify it. You can't say, God, it's okay. Because listen, with God, it ain't okay. It's not all right. Friend, is there something that you're involved in that you ain't got no peace about? Is there something you're involved in that you know you ought not be doing? Is there something you're doing you know you ain't got no business, but you still haven't made any changes? Listen. Tear down that wall. You're depriving yourself of fellowship with God. Let's pray. Lord in heaven, forgive us for building these crazy these crazy walls of sin that separate us from you. Lord, help us to tear down these walls and to repent of the sins of commission. Father, we repent upon the sins that we have committed against the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit, our bodies. Lord, help us to provide you with a a, a, a holy and a healthy vessel through which you can do mighty works. Lord Jesus, we turn away from those idols that we erect before you and we humble ourselves anew asking you to use us for your glory. Father, forgive us for the times that we steal from you by withholding your money from your ministries. It's crazy. Lord, help us to be good stewards of that which you have given us to manage. Help us, Lord, to be good stewards and to help us understand that we can't outgive you. Father, we desire to do everything according to your perfect will. We repent of anything, anything, Lord, that does not result and does not come from 
our faith in you. Lord, we long for your mighty presence. We long for your incredible power upon this church to be revealed in us as Christians. Lord, we pray for your mighty presence and your mighty power to be revealed in us as a church. Lord, we pray for your mighty power and your mighty presence to be revealed in us and in our community. Lord God, would you, would you tear open the heavens and come down? This we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Friends, do you want to experience a mighty move of God? Do you want to experience a mighty move of God in your life and in your relationships and in your family and in the church, in our community, and in this nation we live in? If you do, Peter said, James said, draw near to God and God will draw near to you. But listen to this part. Cleanse your hands you who are in sin, and purify your hearts, you who are double-minded. At the beginning of his earthly ministry, Jesus preached, the time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. I believe it's closer now than it's ever been, y'all. All this business with Russia and Turkey and Iran joining forces right just north of Israel, I'm just saying, you better be looking up. You better be ready. Jesus said, the kingdom of God is at hand. But listen to what else he said. He said, repent. Repent and believe in the gospel. So maybe today, maybe today is the day for you to turn from sin and from self and turn to Jesus and to a relationship with God. It only comes by trusting in him alone as your Savior and the Lord of your life. Listen, friend, Christ died for your sins and mine. They buried him in a grave, and three days later, he rose from that grave to prove that death had been conquered for those who placed their faith in Christ. He died. Listen to this. He died to tear down that wall of sin that separates you from your God. He did that so that you could live for him now and so that you could live with him in heaven. So what do you say? What do you say? Is today your day to be saved from an eternal hell? Is today the day for you to receive the promise of God through faith in Jesus Christ? That's all of our prayers for you. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we praise you and thank you that you continue to give us the opportunities to repent, to change our direction, to change our mind, to turn from sin, to turn from self, 
Turn to Jesus Christ, your Son, who is our Savior and Lord. Father, I thank you that today is yet another day that you've granted us to come back to you, to tear down the walls of sin that separate us from you. And Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that, Father, you'd speak to your child today. And that, Lord, you would let them know that they can be forever saved and they can be used today for the glory of God until such time as you choose to come back. Lord, we are fully aware that you could come back as soon as this service is over. Amen. We also realize, Lord, that we don't want to be taken by surprise. Because your children are constantly on the lookout for you to return. Lord, help us to keep our eyes pointed upward. Help us to be looking for your return. Help us to be ready with a spirit of repentance and belief. And we pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.